Albus and Vince Tracy. So a very good day. Welcome everybody. It is the 15th of February. We've had all the St. Valentine stuffers uh, come and gone and now we think of the Champions League and lots more football ahead. Uh, lots to discuss as well, so I'm going to get in the car, go across the mountains, down to Albia, about an hour's drive away and uh, say a very good morning to the Silver Fox. Good morning to you, Eric. How are you? Uh, very well, Vince, and uh, absolutely excellent. Sun is shining brightly here. It's absolutely superb. Great. Okay, well, we've got lots of different things to discuss, and um, let me just—I'll um, just preface it with this, as we've got it. It's talking football with the Silver Fox, Eric Arms. Okay, now I'm looking at uh, a newspaper article this morning. England's number one goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, is reportedly at the centre of a police probe after a mass brawl broke out at a pub in South Tyneside on Sunday. He was mocked for his little arms and with friends furious, a fracas broke out in East Bolden. Uh, with one man left with a broken nose, another with a smashed phone after he was uh, filming the incident. The police are investigating and seeking witnesses, but as details in the Sun newspaper report on the incident, there is no suggestion that the Everton goalkeeper assaulted anyone. Police rushed to the scene at the time, believed to be uh, 9 o'clock on Sunday, but by this point, Pickford and his group had left the scene at the Beggar's Bridge pub in a minibus. OK, a couple of things there. Number one, uh, it said it all. That the, um, the, 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 there's no suggestion that the Everton goalkeeper assaulted anyone. OK, put that one to bed. Um, why do these guys go to these places? I mean, is it that they're trying to court popularity or is it that they're utterly and utterly just uh, oblivious to the fact that they're, they're, they're sitting ducks, aren't they? You walk into the pub, you know, you're bound to have somebody have a go at you. Well, there's always people around who want to do that, particularly nowadays with all the phones and where you can video stuff and sell it to the newspaper and make a few bob or to television. And that, that's always going to be the case now because uh, in the old days, there used to be a lot of footballers, not as many nowadays, obviously, were all drinkers. They all used to go in the pub. You listen to uh, Ray Parlow when he's talking about the Arsenal Invincibles. After training, I can't remember what date was, all used to go down to this pub, there'd be about eight of them, <laughs> and they'd all be having a pint and, and everything. And there was no mind, he never heard anything about it or anything. Nowadays, you get, say, one person. Uh, in Pickford's case, he must have gone in there with some friends. No, they don't want to go out and cause trouble. The last thing you want is miser any of anybody. But there's always that other person who might want to have a little bit of a dig at you, whether he be a Liverpool fan or a fan from any football club, where he just kind of pick on them and then the next thing it's headlines in the paper. But when you just mentioned it was in the sun, I just turned my, my sound off right away because it, it's just a... Uh, do you know what I mean? That's all they do is look for something like that. And when you said that 
it is no proof that he did anything wrong about it. He's just using his name to liven up the story. That, that's how I see it. But no, I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. And mm, funny mm, enough, this isn't the, the funny thing is this is not the Sun newspaper. It's another one in the same group. So, uh, you, you know, I think there's a number of things that you said, which is absolutely right. Um, you know, why shouldn't they go and have a drink? OK, I'll put that one to bed straight away. I would think if you're on the sort of money that they're on, it would make more sense to go somewhere where you won't get that sort of hassle. That's yeah. the way I would handle it. But then again, well, you know, it, it, it each to his own. For me, I think uh, I always think in terms of if I don't need any trouble, don't go and look for it. Yeah. Um, well, sorry, Eric, you go. Sorry, you know, a lot of these clubs nowadays, they have what we call like a, a special area where certain people are just allowed into that area, uh, you know, and uh, that's what keeps people out, you know, and stops any kind of trouble in the club. You know, in Manchester, there's a few clubs where it's a certain, well, Manchester United players or maybe City players, I don't know, but they have these areas where they go in and nobody else can get in there. It's got these special invitations to get in that room where they are having a drink and all that. Just stop this kind of matter. And I can remember many, many years ago when uh, Paul Gascoigne was at his height and Elton John once said to him, look, you can't carry on seeing your mates going in your local pub because there'll always be somebody there. This is before phones, by the way. Yeah. I'm going back Gascoigne days. And there'll always be somebody there who wants to have a go or a pick a fight with you to make a name for themselves, you know. So therefore, you've got to stop going into these places where, you, you, like, you old mates are there and you're having a drink with your mates and hopefully you'd think your mates might look after you and stop anything like that happening but it just all gets blown out of proportion and in Gazza's case he was a he was possibly always on the fine line wasn't he? you know whatever yeah. he did and whatever whatever he said I, I like Gascoigne he was a good player but he, what happens is you've got to move into an area whereby you pay something stupid like £5 for a bottle of Coke. Yes. Do you know, I'm going to say Coke, I mean drink Coke, I'm going to say <laughs> that. Uh, do you know what I mean? So they have to go into places where other people can't afford to go in. And uh, and that's basically what Elton John was saying to him. Yeah. You can't mix any more with your mates because them days have gone. You've got to pick your, your places where you go for a drink. I mean, it can't be nothing worse than to be able to go, to go out with your wife and having a meal at a restaurant and something like that. And then somebody comes over mithering you. Know? Yeah. I mean, it's polite to just maybe, if somebody asks for your autograph, if I see somebody, I very rarely would go over to them. It'd just be nice to be in the same room as somebody exactly. like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you just take it on the chin. But that's how it goes. And, uh, well, we've, we've done things ourselves where we've uh, had our sportsman's dues and the people like Mike Summerbeam, Norman Whiteside, you name them, we've had them over and... They only like anybody else, aren't they? And they like of to go out for a drink and mix with people, be able to talk to people. And it's just a shame that there's always these, these are the same people, that, by the way, who are at football matches shouting abuse exactly. at coloured players and all that. These are the kind of people who are just looking for trouble. Well, but funnily enough, that the players are not. Funnily enough, when I first came to Benidorm and um, I had my sons living up in, in Valencia, and there were a party of them, about three or four of them came down 
and um, I was I was playing my guitar in Churchill's, and I told everybody because these were the English people in there that these were three lads who played for Valencia, and that normally they can't have a drink with just ordinary people because you know exactly what we've been outlining, and it was nice for them to relax. And of course, all the Brits were going over asking them for their autographs. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, what a wind up, but absolutely ridiculous, really. Um, yeah. I, th- I think the other thing that uh, is a serious issue, uh, now we're older and we're talking about young footballers and you can't put a, 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 an old head on a young shoulder all the time. The only thing I would say is I do think that if footballers are not aware of the Alzheimer's link with drink and the sort of things that the football club should be telling them, which is obviously, you know, um, to live in a different way. I, I think if they're not doing that, then they're doing them a disservice because there is a, there is a link. Um, and unfortunately, if you get the right habits at the right time in your life, it never affects you. If you don't, um, then obviously you do have a problem. So um, I just thought I'd pick that one out to start our chat this morning because it was like... I thought, when is a story not a story? It's just basically, um, you know, it's all, you can see the clutching at straws. Another one that's rumbling on still is the Kurt Zuma story. Now, that developed a little bit since we first spoke about it. This is um, Kurt Zuma, the West Ham footballer who kicked his cat, and his brother, who plays for one of the lower leagues, uh, filmed it. They thought it was funny, and they put it on the internet. And um, apparently when it went viral, then obviously you got a lot of problems that came from that. Now, the first one I wanted to talk to you about um, was David Moyes selecting him. Because quite frankly, you would have thought straight away that you would have seen problems coming with that one. David Moyes didn't see it. Um, He reckons he's a cat lover. um, But he didn't think for a minute that it, it would have the repercussions it had. Uh, do you think he was naive or do you think basically he was just thinking of the game and nothing else? I just think he was thinking of the money. The player was paid uh, £30 million paid for him and he uh, wants to devalue that £30 million. I mean, personally, most people in any walk of life that have done something wrong, say they've been doing it to a fellow human being, you know, kicking a fellow human being, at least that human being could have fought back. But a cat is innocent and blinking... No, you know, no disrespect to anything, but it was an animal which it has no way of coming back at that bloke. And, and the way somebody filmed it makes you think what goes on. He knew that was being filmed and what kind of person he is. And there's no way round or over that you can say that he deserves to still, still be a, a footballer. I'm just hoping in the long term that the sponsors of the West Ham club will start saying, well, we're dropping out if you're keeping him playing for you. Um, forget the thirty million; that's gone. Do you know what I mean? What they yeah. paid for him because the guy hadn't got a, a leg to stand on regards to being able to uh, defend himself. It's un- undefensible what it, what he did yeah. to a cat, which can't you know. And it, I, I don't even want to really think about it because I'm a big cat lover anyway, and a dog lover for that matter. Yeah. Well, animal lover is the right word, really. Yeah. And a, a woman not long ago punched a horse, and she got sacked and. Finish from work, but she wasn't worth thirty million pounds. So, mm. that, and that's why I think not only David Moyes, but the people at the top of the club at West Ham was out of order. 
they should have got rid of him straight away there and then. Well, Ka- Karen Ka- agreed again, you yeah. know. Ka- Karen Brady was sort of defending him, saying that she's spoken to him and he's remorseful. Of course he's remorseful. He's been found out. You know, that, that's yeah. the problem. Uh, th- these younger people, I mean, they, they don't think that actions have consequences. And, uh, you know, I was very surprised at Karen Brady. I would have thought that she would have been totally and utterly uh, not defending him. But uh, anyway, that's the way that one went. Um, On the good side. trying to protect the money, that's all, Vincent. It's going back to the old story, which we mention every, every week. Money, money, money. You know, the guy costs 30 million and they don't want to lose that 30 million. They're going to do the best to keep hold of him. And in my opinion, he should have been gone. Anybody with the right sense of order would have said, on your way, you know, yeah. we, we don't want your kind of person at this club. I don't know how the players feel in the dressing room. I, I, I'd hate to think that one of my mates in the dressing room, who was my teammate, had done something like that. I don't think I could look him in the face. No. Uh, there was a nicer cat story. I don't know if you picked it up. It was one of the other games down the leagues. It was a bit, but it was on. Funny enough, I was watching um, Midlands TV, and it was a, a cat had got on the pitch, and uh, one of the players eventually caught it, and obviously very uh, carefully took the cat to the stewards, who obviously looked after it. The uh, end of the story was that um, somebody had spotted the cat and it, it happened to be a cat that's been missing for seven months and it got reunited with the um, with its owner. Now, that, I think, was a coincidence. My friend Dom Woods reckons it was a setup just to basically get the balance. But uh, interesting yeah. anyway, because cats do that, don't they? They, they uh, do go yeah. missing for a while. Well, you know what cats are like. I mean, they, they're a lot of themselves, aren't they? You know what I mean? I mean, I've not got a cat flat, but this, my, my cat has me on toast at times, coming in and going out, that kind of thing. And, uh, and whereas with my daughter, she has a cat flap, and it just helps itself to, when he wants so much sweet, goes out, comes in. And they kind of cats rule. You know, whereas the dog is more obedient, and it look, you know, dog to me yeah. is is a great companion, and a cat is just all right. You look after me, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> That's where Incidentally, anyway, um, going back to West Ham for a second, it was also reported in the paper um, that apparently uh, there has been no donation to the RSPCA, which is supposed to have happened. You know, he was supposed to be stopped his two hundred and fifty thousand pounds for two weeks money and a donation made to the RSPCA but that hasn't happened um, okay well I'll move on because you know we both feel strongly about that one as we go next to um, Rangnick at uh, Manchester United now there's all sorts going on there and the suggestion has been made that as there's been absolutely no improvement since Oligula Solskjaer was kicked out um, then um a number of players, including Ronaldo, are suggesting that he's out of his depth. What do you think mm. of uh, what's going on there? Because it is very, very weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think basically, at the end of the day, uh, the club from the top all the way down to the bottom is not being particularly well run. Uh, I don't know, ever since Fergie packed in, who seems to have his finger on everything, you know, everything that moved, went at Old Trafford, he was the one who made what sure such and such a thing would happen the way that he wanted it to happen and since he's gone 
Uh, in fact, I always thought he was still in the background keeping Solskjaer in the job till he threw. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, you know, it, nowadays, the players know it themselves. They seem to be a lot on talk, talk about cats a lot unto themselves. But it looks to me the players at Manchester United are similar. You know, where but he, he, they're not bothered about working hard. He, because he's talented players, you think they can just turn it on and turn it off kind of thing. But if you look at Liverpool or Man City, Chelsea, everybody on that pitch has to run the socks off and work as hard as possible. Where you don't see that with Man United. And if you notice the teams who are coming up, uh, like, well, Wolves in particular, they're a, a nice side to watch Wolves nowadays. Yeah. They work the socks off. It's beginning to come into football that the only way to be successful is to work hard. Obviously, you've got to have the skills of i.e. scoring goals, which is obviously the main thing, and that's why strikers are worth more than defenders. But the point is that people kind of, how uh, can I put it, they, they just kind of, United players seem to me expect things to happen for them yeah. rather than them make them happen for themselves. And I think that's a big problem. And for some reason, he seems to play well one half and then forget about what he's second half. And I think a lot of that has to do with the manager. I mean, when I was a manager, if somebody wants to give 100%, I say, look, you've come off, you're making a fool of yourself. Get the shepherd to cook out. who come off and put somebody else on. At least he's going to give us 100%. And you've got to say this to him. It doesn't matter how much money they're on. Uh, You've got to be able to handle those kind of players who are not giving 100% and uh, and, and get them off because you'll say, you make a fool of yourself, come off and put somebody on who's prepared to try. And they don't seem to have that now at the top of the tree at Old Trafford like uh, Fergie wouldn't have messed about. He got rid of Pogba when he was about 17 yeah. because he was strutting about the place with his silly haircuts and acting as though he was somebody bigger than the club. And Fergie wouldn't have it. And it's not a coincidence that he got rid of him. And since then, since he come back to United, I've just got a feeling that, I don't know who said it, don't know the, uh, Mourinho, He's a virus in the dressing room. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a bad influence. And uh, we all know what it's like. You know, you get somebody coming in thinking they're bigger than everybody else. I know he is, actually. He's about six or four. But that's another story. Well, Mason, Mason Greenwood and his behaviour, which, of course, has gone quiet at the moment because it's going to go through the courts. Um, mm. There was another story in, in the newspapers that another Premiership player has also assaulted a girl. I, I, uh, they, they didn't give a name or anything, so I can't really say much more apart from there's another one. Uh, we've mm. got Mbappé, oh, no, Mendy, isn't it, the other one, um, who's uh, obviously from City, um, which, yeah. which at the moment we're up to a count of six claiming rape there. I mean, you know, it's trial by media anyway, and uh, so therefore we're not going to say much about this because basically nobody seems to be sure of the facts, but I would imagine because it's going through the courts, there's got to be something there because otherwise I don't think they'd waste money doing uh, what they're doing, which is obviously prosecuting. Um, but there is this tendency, if you look at Manchester United, you look at Ronaldo and he, he's totally and utterly exasperated and almost, um, you can see that he, he wants to run still. He wants to try and uh, um, pull his weight. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the fact that his son has signed for Manchester United? Because that was a weird one. I thought with all what's going on, he might have hedged his bets there for a while. Yeah, maybe there's a lot of, uh, well, there's quite a few cases of the sons playing for football clubs. There's a, 
lad at Man City, Rory Delapson, he's played for Man City at the moment. Uh, and it, he, he used to be involved with Stoke, and there was a story that he was, the young Delap was going to go to Stoke to, you know, on loan kind of thing and things like that. But once you've got a, a player who's already involved with the club, um, in particular case Ronaldo, you know, he, he trusts the club to look after his son. It's as simple as that, really, isn't it? And, uh, I mean, he, he, I mean, there's a lot of people, many, many years ago, Burnley used to be the top team uh, for looking after young players uh, in the old days. And uh, people used to, when Tommy Doherty used to send, I think he sent his son to Burnley many years ago. And, and things like that, where the clubs have got a good reputation. But nowadays, most clubs have these academies. Uh, from what I've been told, I mean, I am a bit biased, but the Man City Academy is unbelievable. You know what they've got there with it. The, and they're coming now from all over the world, aren't they? I mean, yeah. it's not just somebody's son who's just gone in there. But, you know, it's not like picking a kid off a, off a playing field like it used to be and taking him down and making him into a star player. Nowadays, there's somebody in South America. City's just signed a player in South America. He's only a young lad. Um, I'd never heard of him, but, you know, this is how big the scouting network is nowadays. And uh, players know where it's a good place to get put your lad. And he must be confident that at Old Trafford is a good place. But from what I've seen, the way coming through at Old Trafford, it, it don't seem as good as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. It used to be the top club, obviously. Man United, if you got with Manchester United, it was like the creme de creme in the old days, wasn't it? You know, so nowadays, them days have fallen well behind and they're behind all the other clubs because they never... Well, I think it was mainly the Glaziers. They never really invested in sorting things out, you know, for the younger ones, in, in my yeah. opinion. And I can remember collecting autographs when I was a lad. I used to go down to the cliff down in Broughton there, and it was a kind of... Uh, people, in the, the training was a different ball game in them day. used to just run down the pitch and then kick a ball about and everything. And uh, it was not like... It is nowadays, these academies, they have all indoor places where they can train when it's raining. In the old days, you used to have to go out when it was raining, out on the pitch and train. And It's, it's just completely changed. And If you've got a youngster now, if you can get him with a good club, I mean, you reckon over the years, like West Ham have been a good club, you know, bringing young guns through. Yeah. It's hard to, to say because we're not on that side of the fence. It's if you part of the club and maybe Ronaldo in, in his case with his son he's happy for him to let him go to United but it's just a bit more publicity as well. Yeah, he doesn't look happy at the moment, Ronaldo, but of course uh, who does when the team's not playing well? But to go back to my original question is Rangnick, is he out of his depth there, do you think? Well, I think uh, from what everybody said about him before he came to United uh, they all were saying that people like uh, Pep and uh, and your manager that they was uh, like pupils of his. I used to listen to him a lot because he, in German, one of these German chap, and yeah. uh, you reckon that he was one of the ones who picked up the ideas from our working rate uh, for the players. But it doesn't seem to work for him at Old Trafford because he's not got the right players. And the main thing is when you're a manager, you're only as good as your players. Do you yeah. know what I mean? And if yeah. you can't motivate your players to do what you want them to do, then your ideas are not getting through on the pitch. And therefore, I think that's where there's a, a blockage at United. Although they're not losing, they like drawing games. But as I've said many times before, drawing two games, you get two points. 
win one, lose one, you get three points. So trials yeah. are no good to anybody. You're better off losing and winning the next one. Yeah. But uh, a lot depends on the players. Manager, players, managers with the t- top hierarchy. That's the way our clubs are run. And I, I just find that United have lost the way uh, at the top, all the way down through the club. I just got the feeling. Funny enough, I was talking to my mate the other day, big United fan, season ticket holder. And I said, it seems to me all the Glazers want to do is come over, fill the bag of money up and then go back to America and, and invest that money back over in what they've got going in America. Yeah. Not bothered about Manchester United. Not like a supporter is how you love your own club. OK, let's just um, put a punctuation in. It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox. Okay, now then, Chelsea, of course, have been involved in the World Club Championship and uh, won the game, won the tournament, uh, and obviously will come back cock-a-hoop. But it doesn't really seem to stand for much in this country, or at least should I, should I say in the in the uh, British uh, way of looking at the game of football. Uh, when Liverpool won, they, they didn't really sort of go overboard with it. And it looks the same for Chelsea. Uh, how do you feel about that particular um, title, if you like? Well, I think over here, it's just another money-making exercise, isn't it? Where the, uh, that's why these four teams involved now. Originally, it used to be the top South American team against the top European team, and that was it. Two games, and that was done and dusted. Now they've involved, like, uh, Maccabi, you know, and it were four teams there, and half of them, te- well, in my opinion, half of them teams aren't even good enough to play in our championship, never mind a, <laughs> in a World Series game, you know. So I, I, I take it lightly. I, I, I know that if... If it was Manchester City, you might say, oh, well, you're wrong, but I'm not wrong because I've never been a great lover of the Champions League either. So I just feel that people are exploiting football clubs, not only supporters when they go abroad, when they double the flights and the price of the flights to go and watch your team away. And uh, and it's just a fantastic rip-off. They, charge, they put the prices up for the tickets. It's terrible, you know, and... I, I just feel as if they don't get enough money off supporters. And I was listening to Ian Holloway the other week on the radio, and he was saying all this money in football should be ploughed back to the supporters. Then you travel the length and breadth of the country to watch the team play. You know, somebody like, say, I think Plymouth last weekend when he played in the FA Cup at Chelsea, you know, and, and, and things like that. They, they are the real supporters. And, and as we know, when there was no crowd at the games, it was... A, a, a blanket one it was terrible and without the supporters there's no football and why somebody doesn't at the top start saying let's start looking after the supporters instead of giving all this money to the players or whatever the situation is i just got that feeling that it'll never happen and this is things when like this world cup whatever you want to call it club cup thing or whatever it's just another way of explaining i don't know how many people who chelsea fans who went down to uh, Dubai, I think it was played somewhere like Saudi Arabia. You know, it, how many went to support them, I don't know, but just another rip-off, and I'd promise you one thing, the price of tickets to get, seem to get a flight to that place will have trebled, that's for sure. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I do. I agree with you, actually. That's how I feel about it. And um, I did pick up and I didn't dwell on this, um, but it's uh, the connection between England's World Cup Hotel and it's linked to a Qatar and jihadist group. Now, you know, we've spoken about the fact that the World Cup is going to be played in Qatar totally and utterly inappropriate i think both on uh, the economic side of it from all that everybody has to pay to go and travel to the country to the fact that it's played at the wrong time of the year when it's so hot and so difficult for players it's played at a time when you know players have been vaccinated when maybe um, there's still danger about and if they go and play in the heat then don't be too surprised if one or two have a problem i mean for me the whole thing always is totally and utterly about a little group of booted and suited men who go and make plans for everybody else and they don't seem answerable to anybody. Um, am I being unfair? Does that, does that seem to be the same for you? Yeah, it's just a, it's just one of those things whereby it, money rules again. You know, they, they, they're prepared to build these stadiums so that they could have the World, the World Cup there in Qatar. And in the meantime, there's a lot of money being filtered away uh, through other various means. It's happened a lot. America had the same situation when they went and played in America. And yet England never had a World Cup since 1966. If somebody can explain that to me, when other countries have had two lots of World Cups, like Germany, and we've only had one since, well, we've not had one since 1966. It just shows you. And when this year he was trying to get the the situation changed so that people could come into England, you know, for that final or semi-final, I'm not quite sure which one it was, and they wanted to come in without vaccination and all that, and uh, England wouldn't allow it. And uh, this must have been what's gone on in the past, where they want some out of the English people, but the FA won't give anything because they know that it'd be out of order. And all these other countries who are so bent, they're just giving the money, whatever these people are asking. And that's how they finish up getting these World Cups. Russia in particular, recently they've had a World Cup in Russia. I mean, who wants to go to Russia to watch a World Cup? And Qatar is just the opposite, isn't it? Who wants to go to Qatar? I mean... Uh, and, and don't forget, next year, the, the old season is disrupted because of the World Cup being played at that time, you know. Yeah. There's still be no Premier League for a month or something like that. And it, it just destroys everything that uh, every, some people have worked hard for, you know, getting the league going. And I think the Premier League is fantastic, me. I, 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 when there's no Premier League, and, and although I do think the Championship is very good, uh, you know, so great teams in that, but the Premier League now, the way it's worked out, it's it's great to watch, you know, when you see teams like Norwich and all of them at the bottom and, and teams like Brighton now who are beginning to come through through playing good football on good pitches and it's great really to see, but in the meantime all these money men are in the background, aren't they? Looking at ways to make other money, you know, and that's a perfect example of World well, Cup down in Cup I mean, Park. look, we've just had the African Cup of Nations. I've got to say, mm. I wasn't impressed with the standard until 
maybe the last couple of games, uh, and even then, the the actual final was littered with people just booting uh, lumps out of each other's legs for half the game. I mean, realistically, let that part of the world get on with what they do. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I mean, basically, uh, it, all right. Yeah, you can call it the World Cup um, if you let everybody come and join in the tournament, but have it in a sensible place. I mean, it's like um, anybody with half a brain knows that if you go to somewhere which is roasting hot it presents a stack of problems and if you go to somewhere which is very very cold that presents other types of problems and really a little modicum of just common sense would have done really wouldn't it yeah and you know i was just thinking when you're talking then as a whole endeavor at the world cup because that's another nice country whereby the weather is fairly reasonable isn't it you know what i mean yeah. holland it's a, you know there's certain places where you can Say that would be a good place, but I can't even remember Holland having a world. No, Cup and Belgium, I don't, like that, I don't know. think Belgium, Belgium has. Yeah, I remember. I think a European thing was in Belgium once, but that's going back a long time. In fact, Belgium, I think, got beaten in a final, but that's for Euros. That was. It's hard to work it all out, and you've got the Euros, which is organised by UEFA, and then you've got the other one, which is FIFA organises the World Cup, and they like both vying for one another to make the most money out of it, and it? it's terrible. Because really, these are the things whereby what money you make on these World Cups, the money should filter through to grassroots football, but it never does, does it? No, no. Um, OK, just before we go to what happened on the pitch last week, uh, let's go to a little story about... Um, uh, Jack Grealish, because basically he's got a problem. I think it's with his shin. And uh, I often look at the fact that he doesn't wear shin pads and likes running with mm. his socks down. Now, you know, call me a bit silly if you like. Um, I always thought it was sensible to have a pair of shin pads because if you're going to get kicked, that would be the prime place that you're likely to be kicked. And uh, then again, I think you can tell by Jack Grealish and his general way of going about his life it seems that he doesn't think about the obvious, you know. Um, what do you think? Well, I think in Jack Grealish's case, he's going to get kicked. I mean, he, he, when he was at Villa, he was the most foul player in the Premier League, so they say. But because he hangs onto the ball and it's always at his feet, like, you know, he, these people, it's easy to, to have a bite of it, but a lot of clubs make sure that you do wear pads and they, they have all special kinds of pads now. They have like little pads which kind of fit just above your ankle and uh, don't do the full part of the shin. And there's so many different products now out what you can wear. I mean, in my day, you used to put a, like a, a, down your socks, you'd have a, a, a kind of a, a book, a little book. No, when I say a book, I mean like a, a magazine. A magazine yeah. or something, you know what I mean? What you used to put down your, your side. And uh, and that was what we used to use. But nowadays, you've got so many things that it's kind of like cricket. You have all the kind of armory for the arms, the shoulders, the waist. Uh, it's incredible. But And all the, you know, the footballers nowadays, the, the best footballers will always be well turned out. If you notice that, and again at weekend, I don't know if you noticed it, but it is good to see uh, CV Jeddard again at Newcastle, looking as smart as ever on the line, yeah. and also he's obviously lad Eddie Howe. You know they look really smart, just like the other week when it was Jeddard uh, and uh, Ferguson at Everton. You know I like to see me managers look smart and not look scruffy. You know, but yeah. you know, and, and it, it, 
And I think this shows through the rest of the team. You know, somebody like Grealish, I'm surprised that uh, Pep's letting him get away with it, but I've got a feeling that might be stopped in a bit because he's, he's got an injury at the moment. He's, he, he's available tonight, but he's not available, if you know what I mean. He's not going to be picked. He sold him he's not going to get picked tonight for the Champions League game. So, uh, But these are things which, as a manager, you've got to make sure you look after your players because... They are a commodity of which you don't want to lose when you pay hundred million for him, like Absolutely. you say. You don't want to blink in somebody coming in and breaking his leg, do you? That's the last thing. I won't wish that on anybody who plays football, you know. But it can happen. Yeah. And and in training I, I think it more in training that you know, I, I would imagine they don't wear the shooting pads in training because they, they're probably not allowed to tackle hard, although in the good old days with Tommy Smith about and then lot they don't give two monkeys who they kick, would they? You know? Should it be the old players or what? They, they still get, get stuck in. They used to always say that, didn't they? Yeah. Well, when they, I remember listening to Harry Redknapp talking about uh, Di Canio when he was at uh, West Ham. He said, oh, I'd always put him on the same side as Stuart Pearce because he, he used to get stuck in Stuart Pearce in training. You know, and uh, I used to make sure I put that two on the same side so there'd be no buying that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so you do get players who still get stuck in, like Stuart Pearce was one of them in particular. Yeah. But nowadays, I think they, they don't do that as much as they used to do. No. OK, uh, right, well, I'll go to, um, we'll start with the weekend's football because there's lots to discuss and obviously we've got to try and get us through as much as we can. Uh, Manchester United um, playing Southampton, I thought that it would be a little bit difficult for them. Um, Southampton looking good, well worthy of the point, I thought. 1-1 for Manchester United, Southampton. What did you think of that game? Well, going back to what we mentioned before about teams now, playing on good pitches and Southampton. That manager has now developed a nice style of play, like the lad at Brighton. And they go out now and they're not feared of any club. You know what I mean? And I like watching Southampton because they do try and play football. And I thought the game itself, United... Once again, they have the chances. If you don't take the chances, knock down for pal. You know what I mean? And Southampton equally deserved a draw in that game, in my opinion. I thought one all was a fair result. OK, Brentford, they've been in free fall of late. Uh, they were playing Crystal Palace and there was no score at all. Um, I think it was probably, uh, with it being a London derby, it was likely to be uh, a difficult game. Um, I think, uh, I thought Palace would shade it. You thought it would be a draw, so you got that one right. Um, mm. What did you think of that game? Well, from all accounts, I think it was a dreadful game. There wasn't many shots on target in the game. Uh, from Brentford's point of view, they picked up a point because I think they'd lost five games on the trot. So they halted the uh, the fall, like kind of thing. Whereas Crystal Palace and another team developing along the lines of Brighton and Southampton, whereby the manager is implementing his ideas and it's taken a little bit of time to come through, like it has done with Brighton and Southampton. And I think you'll see maybe next season Crystal Palace will become another team uh, along that same lines. But the game itself was, I thought, dreadful. So uh, yeah. there's not a lot to say about it. OK, another smart lad on the touchline at uh, Goodison Park were Frank Lampard's Everton. Um, they ended up putting three past Leeds United. And uh, quite honestly, I think uh, none of us saw that one coming. I thought it'd be a draw. You thought Leeds would win it. So, uh, good win for Everton there. 
Yeah, maybe like you say, he'd be sorting his ideas out now with the players. It's only a few games he's had, the Frank, and like you say, he's another lad. Who, I like to see the young players, particularly English players, who are coming through as managers, because whether you like it or not, everybody keeps talking about getting, or if somebody gets sacked and they only bring in a foreign manager, and now we've got English managers coming through, and I think it's brilliant, you know, and that's why I was glad Eddie Howe got the job at Newcastle, and now we've got Frank Lampard back in it, Stevie Jeddard's come back to England. It's great for English football, or the Premier League, to have English lads yeah. at the top. I mean, Sam Allardyce always used to say it. If his name was Sam Allardyce, you know, with a different name, like a foreign name, he might have had a better chance of jobs. <laughs> but uh, that's what he always used to say, Sam. But uh, it's great to see the English lads coming back yeah. and looking smart, as you just said. Yeah. OK, uh, now Watford were at home to Brighton. So Roy knows he's got to, uh, Roy Hudson knows he's got to tighten up at the back. Uh, it's no wonder that they uh, lost to Brighton. Both you and I saw that one coming. And uh, it ended up Watford nil, Brighton two. And I think they were well worthy of the win, weren't they? Well, I think one of the most improved teams in the league, Brighton, aren't they? They go out, they play football, they don't worry about the other team anymore. They just go out, they don't complain defensive football. They just play football as it should be played. And from Roy Hodgkin's point of view, he's got a lot to do there. I mean, he's actually tightened up at the back. But now, for some silly reason, the strength they've got is in the forwards. And they can't score for Toffee. I mean... The bloke hit the crossbar from almost underneath it. And, uh, you know, now once you can tighten up at the back, you you can get the goals at the other end, but they stop going in at the other end. Mm. So I don't know what he's going to do. It's too late now. You can't go out and buy anybody. The time's gone. They're going to be in trouble, I think. So, Knowing Roy Hodgson, and I I always listen to people who's played for these managers to what they have to say about them. And uh, I think it was Danny... The lad who used to play for him, Danny, Danny Murphy. Full of, yeah, yeah. He, he, he said that it takes a bit of time for it to sink in with the players, Roy Hodgson's tactics. You know, I and mean, maybe that's what's uh, holding up at the moment. They've only had three games while he's been there. But he, he said once, he, once it clicks with the players and they all understand what they've got to do, they, they might change everything around. Getting goals is a big problem for them at the moment. But anyway... I think they'll do okay. I think they might get out of it. I might be wrong there, but mm. I, I, I have a lot of belief in Roy Hodgson because although he, uh, he seems a bit pragmatic and he's kind of more defensive mode, but he, he, he knows how to get out of trouble. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. OK, uh, Norwich hosted your boys Manchester City. We both saw Manchester City uh, imperious. They look brilliant again. Uh, obviously, Sterling um, still improving after his days at Liverpool. Nice hat-trick for him there. Um, I, I don't think there was ever much doubt that they would go and uh, win at Norwich. At least Norwich give you the game of football, don't they? Well, like you say, they had a, a couple of chances early on, Norwich, and they just one of them things that... It, I was saying to my mate the other day, but when I'm watching City now, it's not as much as it's when they're going to score. You know what I mean? You don't know who's going to score it. But somebody somewhere along the way will come up and bob in with a goal. And it's not like relying on one player or one man. Although he did get a hat-trick Sterling, but Sterling has turned his season around because after the World Cup, and he had a good World Cup for England, he never really looked settled at City afterwards. And everybody was on about he might be moving on and 
he, he was out of the side, left out of the team. People saying, oh, Barcelona's after him. And what he's done is get his head down and get back in that team. And from his point of view, he's been great, in my opinion. The way he's had the right attitude. He's not started moaning and words coming out saying, oh, he's going to go to Barcelona. But at the end of the day, he's turned everything around and now he's back to his normal self. Yeah, I think a lot of it... We know he's quick, don't we? He's good, he's rapid, isn't he? Oh, he's very good. Um, I was just going to say, really, I think you can see once the players get away from the politics and play the football and then obviously they'll get back to where they should be and and um, uh, Sterling's gone quiet on the uh, the Western Front as far as the politics has gone Rashford yeah. um, he, he's probably in a similar situation as we go to um, Burnley where we both knew it would be a struggle well I mean to be honest with you it was like watching paint dry Burnley weren't going to play football, but they could have had about five in the first half. They could have been, could have gone in about five nil up. Um, I, I thought really up and under. I mean, it was just really like playing rugby league with football rules. Um, what did you think of that game? Well, the weather was bad for starters, wasn't it? That didn't help it. You know, terrible. I mean, uh, we all know what it's like playing at Burnley at the best of times. At least it was in an afternoon, but uh, yeah, it. They have the chances, but at the moment they can't buy a goal. Somehow, the reason he he's had nil nils at home, and uh, you know, just and they've got a new lad there up front. He's he's about six foot three or six foot four. Oh, he's about six, and six foot. He'll be good. Yeah, he's about six foot nine or something. I don't know. He's a big lad. That's Oof, for sure. Huge. And, uh, like you say, it, it was a good result for Liverpool at the end of the day. I, I kept clocking back to find out how they were going on on the score because it wasn't on the tally of the game and there was another game on the tally at the time but I just kept going back to clock the score and for some reason Fabinho started scoring goals now haven't he? Yeah. I think he scored five in the last six games Yes. So, uh, which is a bit of a turn up you don't expect him to score goals but he's doing a good job for them we want him scrappy things in the penalty area and he just stepped in and put the ball away and it was as simple as that and then after that, Liverpool were just hanging on, really. Yeah. It was just one of them games where you're glad to get it out of the way and get on the coach and get back down the yeah. flanks, you know, and, and say right. that'll be us, lads. No, good three points. No time for any drinks in Burnley, that's for sure. Uh, great oh. to see Newcastle uh, 1-0. I didn't think they'd beat Villa. Uh, you mm. thought a draw. I thought Villa would win it. Newcastle won, Villa nil. Good win for Eddie Howe. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, I watched this game. Aston Villa were very disappointing, really, because uh, just recently they've been playing some good football. I mean, they had the three-all draw with Leeds, and uh, they have been playing good football. But they, uh, for some reason, last Saturday, the first half, Newcastle definitely deserved to go in 1-0 up. Uh, it was a, a trippier free kick again. And uh, they've lost him now because he's injured. Yeah. He's out for six weeks, so... It's going to be a problem because he's kind of a little bit of a leader as well on the park, which is what Newcastle have been missing. And I, I just got the feeling that uh, this week's going to be important for Raston Villa because uh, we don't want them to lose again because at the end of the day, uh, we want Gerrard to be successful because he's English manager, in my opinion. And yeah. I just hope that they turn the corner. But they didn't play well at, at Newcastle and it was the best result for Newcastle. They deserved it. Okay, Spurs were hosting Wolves. Um, both of us got that one wrong as well, and um, I think Wolves were well worthy of the win there. I don't. Um, there's something not quite right with Spurs yet, isn't there? 
Yeah, well, I don't think he's... It, it, it doesn't seem as though he's got the players to implement his ideas on the park, what he wants. And uh, you can see that frustration in the manager when they lost 3-2 during the week to Southampton after being in front. And now, I mean, Wolves are a rapidly improving team. You know, try and remember to give Wolves a lot of credit because even when they, early on in the season when they were losing and not near the top, they were only losing games one on to uh, like Liverpool and, and, and Man City, all very tight games. And they've got a good, strong, solid defence now, uh, Wolves, and just have to keep an eye on them because they're, they're just outside the top six, really, you could say. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't break into it. OK, Leicester, uh, they hosted West Ham, and again, we both thought West Ham would win that one, but it uh, was a 2-2 draw, probably quite a good game to watch. What did you think? Well, I thought that uh, in the first half, Leicester were terrible, really. and I thought West Ham would win it comfortably, when it, particularly when he took an early lead, but he just managed to get a penalty just before half-time, which just gave that song and dance like to him, so... Uh, they made it one all, and then they scored straight after our time. And once they got in front, they shown a lot of confidence, Leicester. And I thought that they did well to pull, pull, pull it back in the last few minutes of West Ham because of their attitude. And uh, they're, a, they're a tough side to play against now, West Ham. But as far as I'm concerned, I've just got the feeling that uh, this trouble with uh, Zuma is not going to help them. You know, apparently he took ill before the game. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's a coincidence that he didn't play in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. As I've said before, if the sponsors start to pull out of West Ham and they start picking him again, I mean, he just tried to take him out of the line last week. I don't know how or why or what was up with him. Because mm-hmm. there used to be a story in football. If he wanted to get somebody out of the team and out of the line, like, he's got a stomach bug, that's what they used to say, which yes. is uh, yeah. just an excuse for him not playing. So... We'll have to wait and see what wow, happens, I mean, see how that comes out. They missed the obvious one. Why didn't they just say that he'd got COVID and ended there, you know? Yeah. Okay, we've true. we've got ten minutes, which means we've got to we've got to crack on with the uh, Saturday the nineteenth uh, predictions. West Ham playing Newcastle and um how do you see that one? Well, sounds like a good game to me, this one. I think uh, West Ham uh, I'm not gonna go for a draw. I'm going for a one-all draw. Uh-huh. I've put exactly the same. One-one. We're on the same page. Uh-oh. Well done, lad. Okay, Arsenal at home to Brentford. How do you see that one? It's got to be an Arsenal win. This they're in a good position now to take that fourth spot. With all, with all the teams slipping up last weekend, uh, they're in a good position now to uh, take over. I think if they win the games in Andy goes fourth anyway. Yeah, Arsenal to win two now. Uh, I've put 2-0 as well. Isn't that weird? OK, so we've got two exactly the same. Our Maston Villa take on Watford. Hmm, got to be a win for Villa, hasn't it? That's why I said they, they need a win that's urgent now because uh, they've, they've just been slipping up and we're all looking forward to Villa pushing on a bit. But uh, careful for the nil-nil of it, because uh, they all look artful dodgy, you know, uh, He's a tricky old fox, you know, so I want to say it could be a nil-nil, but I do fancy Villa to win it. OK, I've gone Aston Villa 2, Watford 1. Um, good good game coming up at Brighton. Burnley coming down from the frozen wastes. How do you see that one? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's another tough game, isn't it? Like you say, I think you go for the draw. OK, and uh, score draw? 1-1. Uh, 
OK, I've gone for Brighton 2, Burnley 0. Um, Palace, Chelsea. Chelsea back as world club champions. What do you think of that one? <laughs> yeah, it's a... I'd like to say, I think it's a... It, it really got... After all that travelling, you know, it might just have affected Chelsea. And I've just got the feeling that Crystal Palace will be up for this. As we've mentioned before, about these derby games on the London area. Yeah. And I... I just got this could be a draw, one all draw. Okay, I've gone for Chelsea winning one nil. Uh, Liverpool Norwich. Well, it's got it can only be one result there. It's got to be a four on for Liverpool, in my opinion. I can't see how Norwich can get a result at Anfield. Okay, well, I've gone two nil. Uh, I I know that they have got to win, which gives it a little bit of pressure. Um, but at least Norwich normally give you a game of football. Uh, Southampton at home to Everton. Yeah, good game this one, isn't it? I mean, they didn't play well away from home the other week at Newcastle. So uh, I'm going to go for a, another one-all draw. I feel terrible they keep sitting on the fence with draws, but I think that'll be a draw one apiece. Well, don't forget to predict a draw, you win the pools. I've gone 2-2, so um, we're on the All same right. page. Um, yeah. Now your boys, Man City, take on Spurs. Can't see. I really can't see Man City losing this one. The only thing I can say is that put your money on that Son will score a goal. Every time he plays against Man City, he always scores. I'm not saying City will get beat, but get your money on Son to score a goal. And I just got the feeling City will win three-one. Ah, three-one is what I've predicted. <laughs> we we're being very clairvoyant here today. Anyway, <laughs> uh, Leeds, Man, yes, Man United. Well, this is one of them like uh, games where the Leeds fans, the eight United, they really do, and uh, they'll be right up for it being on their own ground. I'm going to go for Leeds to win one nil, and I've gone Leeds to win two one. Um, mm. Okay, and the last of the games is sort of a Midlands derby: Wolves playing Leicester. And uh, how do you see that one ending? I think Wolves will win this game. About I think Leicester deep. They blow hot and cold. You can never be sure what you're going to get from Leicester. I'm going to go for a 2 non win for Wolves. OK, and I've put a 2-1 win. So, mm. uh, very, very similar thinking. The trouble is, you know, when you look at the... Um, when you look at the results later, and some weeks you get them all wrong, you can over <laughs> you can overthink. But I think um, you know, obviously, to see that we're thinking the same, at least uh, we're seeing the same things. Now we get the Champions League this week, um, mm. and of course we get to the interesting. And the uh, papers were talking today about Man City and Pep Guardiola only being judged by if he wins the Champions League, which I think is nonsense. But then again, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, the papers write nonsense and people read it and then they all talk nonsense. Um, Guardiola's been a fabulous manager. Uh, it would be nice for him to win this one because they're saying that Man City should sail through the next round. How do you see it? You never know because when you're playing in Europe, for some reason... that. More often than not, the teams or the league that they play in, when not I'm talking about Premier League now, talking about like the Portuguese league, usually they leave the players out on the Saturday and they've got a full team ready for the European games. Real Madrid were notorious for doing that, and Barcelona having a weekend team on the weekend. Whereas in the Premier League, you can't afford to do that. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I've just got a feeling it's going to be a tough game tonight. And if we come back with a 
a one nonner or a, a one one you know, I'd be quite happy because playing away in Europe is never the easiest of games. And coming uh, to all my mates are on the way there now. They got the flight down to Portugal this morning, and they'll be watching at the game tonight. And uh, good luck to them. I hope we enjoy a good, a good weekend. Well, not a weekend, a good day, a couple of days out down in Portugal. Yeah. Well, now, of course, obviously, you've got uh, Jack Grealish, who, uh, as you say, won't be featuring in the game. Um, how do you think he's actually settled into the team now? Do you really feel he's a Manchester City player or or is he still an individual? No, he's still an, an individual. He's a bit like uh, Real Mahrez. First year with Man City, he couldn't get in the team. He was on the bench a lot and he was playing and he was off. And it's very difficult. You need to have a good run at playing in a team and be able to keep your place. And Real Mahrez was... I, I, well, I've read... Vincent Company's book and he used to be sat next to him on the bench every week and Maris was moaning all the time with Vincent Company, I can't get a game, he won't give me and all Vincent Company said, just be patient, just wait your time and make sure that you're ready when your time comes. And as you know this year, Ryan Maris has got a great had a great season for City. And I think next year you'll find out that really she'll become good. At the moment I just see if I'm gonna mark him out of ten, I give him seven, if that. Yeah. Um, now my team are struggling to get the uh, the mix right. Although you know, the, uh, maybe it's not fair to say that when you look at uh, the Burnley game, because I, I think for anybody to actually stand and watch something like that is they should get medals for going to watch Burnley. You know, it's just terrible yeah. the weather and the whole thing must be awful. Um, now uh, I don't know if you've seen our new guy D- Diaz. Um, yeah, Colombia. During the week, the game during the week, he looked all right, didn't he? And uh, I know you might be copying City, but picking the same player with the same name as Diaz, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I mean flat, no. um, copying is the best form of flattery, and you, you know, I think anybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody would want to play like Manchester City play. And I think uh, we, we're getting there. We we've got. We've got a fluency of sorts, but we've had such a mix of players because of injuries and things and COVID and all the other stuff. Um, whereas I think with with City, I mean, it's basically you can just pick and mix and people come into the side and they just fit in and they look so good. I mean, if there's going to be a strong candidate for European champion glory, I do think that you deserve it just by your performances. You know, I watch the games. I want Liverpool to win. Of course I do. Um, But, you know, you've got to be realist if you're going to enjoy the game. Look at who's playing well. You've mentioned before Wolves are playing well. But City are a delight to watch. They're just a, a nice team to watch, aren't they? Well, many people say they're easy on the eye, you know what I mean? I'd love to know how they go about training City because whoever comes in, it, it doesn't change. You know, if, at the weekend, the back four, there were three of the back four changed from during the week when they played Brentford. Do you know what I mean? But it didn't make any difference. You know, Walker was left out. Well, not, not weekend, he was left out during the week. Stones comes in. It's unbelievable the way they all just slot in. You know, and uh, I'd love to know how they train. I'd like to see him at training. Because whoever's playing, Zinchenko comes in at left-back and he's, he's an unsung hero for City, Zinchenko. And he never moans. You know, it's very rarely any players moan. I know they are probably on top money for, for the club. 
But you very hear anybody moaning about anything or not signing contracts, although Sterling's contract is due up any time now and he might be finishing up like uh, Salah. But Salah just wants the world, doesn't he? You know, he yeah. wants everybody, everybody to bow down to him and give him the, whatever he wants. And, but we'll mm. have to wait and see if Liverpool cave into him, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, well, that's a problem. But your main thing is, you just got to keep, as a manager, keep the harmony. And I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, because Pep drops them all. They've all been dropped at some time or other. Even our best player, Kevin De Bruyne, did play at weekend. You know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't even on the lineup yeah. in the eleven. You know, things like that, whereby it's not just one player, is it? They all get in the, the same treatment, whereby they all have an arrest and gives them a break. And I, I think you'll find City's midfield tonight will be back to normal, which will be Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri and Bernardo Silva. I think that's a knocking bet. Where oh. there's a weekend, Gundogan played there, Fernandino played there, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and the other lad, David Silva, played there. But, you know, you just change it around and... They all know the jobs, and, that, and, and the most important thing is you all got to work the socks off. OK, Eric, well, we leave it there. That's uh, another right. great week of football to talk about, and look forward to chatting next week. OK, OK. Well done, mate. Cheers, Vince. It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Marbles. So a very good day. Welcome everybody. It is the 15th of February. We've had all the St. Valentine stuffers uh, come and gone and now we think of the Champions League and lots more football ahead. Lots to discuss as well, so I'm going to get in the car, go across the mountains, down to Albia, about an hour's drive away, and uh, say a very good morning to the Silver Fox. Good morning to you, Eric. How are you? Uh, very well, Vince, and uh, absolutely excellent. Sun is shining brightly here. It's absolutely superb. Great. OK, well, we've got lots of different things to discuss, and um, let me just... Um, I'll just preface it with this as we've got it. Talking football with the Silver Fox, Eric Marbles. Okay, now I'm looking at uh, a newspaper article this morning. England's number one goalkeeper, Jordan Pickford, is reportedly at the centre of a police probe after a mass brawl broke out at a pub in South Tyneside on Sunday. He was mocked for his little arms and with friends furious, a fracas broke out in East Bolden uh, with one man left with a broken nose, another with a smashed phone after he was uh, filming the incident. The police are investigating and seeking witnesses, but as details in the Sun newspaper report on the incident, there is no suggestion that the Everton goalkeeper assaulted anyone. Police rushed to the scene at the time, believed to be uh, 9 o'clock on Sunday, 
but by this point Pickford and his group had left the scene at the Beggars Bridge pub in a minibus. Okay, couple of things there. Number one, uh, it said it all. The, um, the, 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 the there's no suggestion that the Everton goalkeeper assaulted anyone. Okay, put that one to bed. Um, why do these guys go to these places? I mean, is it that they're trying to court popularity or is it that they're utterly and utterly just uh, oblivious to the fact that they're, they're, they're sitting ducks, aren't they? You walk into the pub, you know, you're bound to have somebody have a go at you. Well, there's always people around who want to do that, particularly nowadays with all the phones and where you can video stuff and sell it to newspaper and make a few bob or to television. And that, that's always going to be the case now because uh, in the old days, there used to be a lot of footballers, not as many nowadays, obviously, but all drinkers, they all used to go in the pub. You listen to uh, Ray Parlow when he's talking about the Arsenal Invincibles. After training, I can't remember what date was, all used to go down to this pub, there'd be about eight of them, and they'd all be having a pints and, and everything. And there was no mind, he never heard anything about it or anything. Nowadays, you get, say, one person... Uh, in Pickford's case, he must have gone in there with some friends. No, they don't want to go out and cause trouble. The last thing you want is miser any of anybody. But there's always that other person who might want to have a little bit of a dig at you, whether he be a Liverpool fan or a fan from any football club, where he just kind of pick on them and then the next thing it's headlines in the paper. But when you just mentioned it was in the sun, I just turned my, my sound off right away because <laughs> it's it just, uh, do you know what I mean? That's all they do is look for something like that. And when you said that it is no proof that he did anything wrong about you're just using his name to liven up the story. That, that's how I see it. But No, I'm uh, with you. I'm with you. And mm, funny mm, enough, this isn't, the, the funny thing is this is not the Sun newspaper. It's another one in the same group. So, you know, I think there's a number of things that you said, which is absolutely right. Um, you know, why shouldn't they go and have a drink? OK, I'll put that one to bed straight away. I would think if you're on the sort of money that they're on, it would make more sense to go somewhere where you won't get that sort of hassle. That's yeah. the way I would handle it. But then again, well, you know, it, it, it each to his own. For me, I think uh, I always think in terms of if I don't need any trouble, don't go and look for it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Sorry, Eric, you go. Sorry, you know, a lot of these clubs nowadays, they have what we call like a, a special area where certain people are just allowed into that area, uh, you know, and uh, that's what keeps people out, you know, and stops any kind of trouble in the club. You know, in Manchester, there's a few clubs where it's a certain, well, Manchester United players or maybe City players, I don't know, but they have these areas where they go in and nobody else can get in there. It's got these special invitations to get in that room where they are having a drink and all that. Just stop this kind of miser. And I can remember many, many years ago when uh, Paul Gascoigne was at his height and Elton John once said to him, look, you can't carry on seeing your mates going in your local pub because there'll always be somebody there. This is before phones, by the way. Yeah. I'm going back Gascoigne days. And there'll always be somebody there who wants to have a go or a pick a fight with you to make a name for themselves, you know. So therefore, you've got to stop going into these places where, you, like you old mates are there and you're having a drink with your mates and hopefully you'd think your mates might look after you and stop anything like that happening but it just all gets blown out of proportion and in Gazza's case he was a he was possibly always on the fine line wasn't he? you know whatever yeah. he did and whatever he, whatever he said I, I, I like that's going he was a good player but he 
what happens is you've got to move into an area whereby you pay something stupid like five pounds for a bottle of coke. Yes. Do you know I'm gonna say coke I mean drink coke and when it's like that. Uh, do you know what I mean? So they have to go into places where other people can't afford to go in and uh, and that's basically what Elton John was saying to him. Yeah. You can't mix any more with your mates because them days have gone you've got to pick your your places where you go for a drink. I mean it can't be nothing worse than to be able to go to go out with your wife and having a meal at a restaurant and something like that. And then somebody comes over mithering you. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's polite to just maybe, if somebody asks for your autograph, if I see somebody, I very rarely would go over to them. It'd just be nice to be in the same room as somebody exactly. like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And you just take it on the chin. But that's how it goes. And, uh, well, we've, we've done things ourselves where we've uh, had our sportsman's dues and the people like Mike Summerby, Norman Whiteside, you name them, we've had them over and... They only like anybody else, aren't they? And they like of to course. go out for a drink and mix with people, be able to talk to people. And it's just a shame that there's always these... These are the same people, that, by the way, who are at football matches shouting abuse exactly. at coloured players and all that. These are the kind of people who are just looking for trouble. Well, but funnily enough... that the players are not. Funnily enough, when I first came to Benidorm and um, I had my sons living up in, in Valencia... And there were a party of them, about three or four of them came down. And um, I was I was playing my guitar in Churchill's and I told everybody, because these were the English people in there, that these were three lads who played for Valencia and that normally they can't have a drink with just ordinary people because, you know, exactly what we've been outlining. And it was nice for them to relax. And, of course, all the Brits were going over asking them for their autographs. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, what a wind-up, but absolutely ridiculous, really. Um, yeah. I, th I think the other thing that uh, is a serious issue, uh, now we're older and we're talking about young footballers and you can't put a, 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 an old head on a young shoulder all the time. The only thing I would say is I do think that if footballers are not aware of the Alzheimer's link with drink and the sort of things that the football club should be telling them, which is obviously, you know, um, to live in a different way. I, I think if they're not doing that, then they're doing them a disservice because there is a, there is a link. Um, and unfortunately, if you get the right habits at the right time in your life, it never affects you. If you don't, um, then obviously you do have a problem. So um, I just thought I'd pick that one out to start our chat this morning because it was like... I thought, when is a story not a story? It's just basically, um, you know, it's all, you can see the clutching at straws. Another one that's rumbling on still is the Kurt Zuma story. Now, that developed a little bit since we first spoke about it. This is um, Kurt Zuma, the West Ham footballer who kicked his cat and his brother, who plays for one of the lower leagues, uh, filmed it. They thought it was funny and they put it on the internet and um, apparently when it went viral, then obviously you got a lot of problems that came from that. Now, the first one I wanted to talk to you about um, was David Moyes selecting him. Because quite frankly, you would have thought straight away that you would have seen pro problems coming with that one. David Moyes didn't see it. Um, he reckons he's a cat lover. Um, but he didn't think for a minute that it, it would have the repercussions it had. Uh, do you think he was naive or do you think basically he was just thinking of the game and nothing else? 
I just think he was thinking of the money. The player was paid uh, 30 million who paid for him, and uh, they didn't want to devalue that 30 million. I mean, personally, most people in any walk of life that have done something wrong, say they've been doing it to a fellow human being, you know, kicking a fellow human being, at least that human being could have fought back. But a cat is innocent and blinking. No, you know, no disrespect to anything, but it was an animal which it has no way of coming back at that bloke. And, and the way somebody filmed it makes you think what goes on. He knew that was being filmed and what kind of person he is. And there's no way round or over that you can say that he deserves to still, still be a, a footballer. I'm just hoping in the long term that the sponsors of the West Ham club will start saying, well, we're dropping out if you're keeping him playing for you. And um, forget the 30 million, that's gone. Do you know what I mean, what they yeah. paid for him? Because the guy hadn't got a, a leg to stand on regards to being able to uh, defend himself. It's un- undefensible what, it, what he did yeah. to a cat, which can't, you know, and it, I, I don't even want to really think about it because I'm a big cat lover anyway, and a dog lover for that matter. Yeah. Well, animal lover is the right word, really. Yeah. And a, a woman not long ago punched a horse and she got sacked and finished from work. But she wasn't worth thirty million pounds. So mm. that, and that's why I think not only David Moyes but the people at the top of the club at West Ham was out of order. They should have got rid of him straight away there and then. Well, Ka- Karen Ka- agreed again, you yeah. know. Ka- Karen Brady was sort of defending him, saying that she's spoken to him and he's remorseful. Of course he's remorseful. He's been found out. You know, that, that's yeah. the problem. Uh, these younger people, I mean, they, they don't think that actions have consequences. And, uh, you know, I was very surprised at Karen Brady. I would have thought that she would have been totally and utterly uh, not defending him. But uh, anyway, that's the way that one went. Um, yeah, on the good side. trying to protect the money, that's all, Vincent. It's going back to the old story, which we mention every every week. Money, money, money. You know, the guy costs 30 million and they don't want to lose that 30 million. They're going to do the best to keep hold of him. And in my opinion, he should have been gone. Anybody with the right sense of order would have said, on your way. You know, yeah. we, we don't want your kind of person at this club. I don't know how the players feel in the dressing room. I, I, I'd hate to think that one of my mates in the dressing room, who was my teammate, had done something like that. I don't think I could look him in the face. No. Uh, there was a nicer cat story. I don't know if you picked it up. It was one of the other games down the leagues. It was a bit, but it was on. Funny enough, I was watching um, Midlands TV, and it was a a cat had got on the pitch, and uh, one of the players eventually caught it, and obviously very uh, carefully took the cat to the stewards, who obviously looked after it. The uh, end of the story was that um, somebody had spotted the cat and it, it happened to be a cat that's been missing for seven months and it got reunited with the um, with its owner. Now, that, I think, was a coincidence. My friend Dom Woods reckons it was a setup just to basically get the balance. But uh, interesting yeah. anyway, because cats do that, don't they? They, they uh, do go yeah. missing for a while. Well, you know what cats are like. I mean, they, they're a law unto themselves, aren't they? You know what I mean? I mean, I've not got a cat flat, but this, my, my cat has me on toast at times, coming in and going out, that <laughs> kind of thing. And, uh, and whereas with my daughter, she has a cat flap, and it just helps itself to, when he wants so much to eat, goes out, comes in. 
and they kind of cut through. You know, whether if the dog is more obedient, and it look, you know, dog to me yeah. is is a great companion, and a cat is just all right. You look after me, don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> That's where. Incidentally, anyway, um, going back to West Ham for a second, it was also reported in the paper um, that apparently uh, there has been no donation to the RSPCA, which is supposed to have happened. You know, he was supposed to be stopped his two hundred and fifty thousand pounds for yeah. two weeks money and a donation made to the RSPCA but that hasn't happened um, mm -hmm. okay well I'll move on because you know we both feel strongly about that one as we go next yeah. to um, Rangnick at uh, Manchester United now there's all sorts going on there and the suggestion has been made that as there's been absolutely no improvement since Ole Gunnar Sol Solskjaer was kicked out um, then um a number of players, including Ronaldo, are suggesting that he's out of his depth. What do you think mm. of uh, what's going on there? Because it is very, very weird, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think basically, at the end of the day, uh, the club from the top all the way down to the bottom is not being particularly well run. Uh, I don't know, ever since Fergie packed in, who seems to have his finger on everything, you know, everything that moved, went at Old Trafford, he was the one who made what sure such and such a thing would happen the way that he wanted it to happen and since he's gone uh, in fact I always thought he was still in the background keeping Solskjaer in the job till he's through yeah. but uh, at the end of the day uh, you know it, nowadays the players know it themselves they seem to be a lot on talk, talk about cats a lot unto themselves but it looks to me the players at Manchester United are similar you know where but he they're not bothered about working hard because he's talented players. They think they can just turn it on and turn it off, kind of thing. But if you look at Liverpool or Man City, Chelsea, everybody on that pitch has to run the socks off and work as hard as possible. Where you don't see that with Man United. And if you notice the teams who are coming up, uh, like well, Wolves in particular, they're a, a nice side to watch. Wolves nowadays, yeah. they work the socks off. It's beginning to come into football that the only way to be successful is to work hard obviously you've got to have the skills of i.e. scoring goals which is obviously the main thing and that's why strikers are worth more than defenders but the point is that people kind of how uh, can I put it they, they just kind of United players seem to me expect things to happen for them yeah. rather than them make them happen for themselves and I think that's a big problem and for some reason he seems to play well one half and then forget about what he's second half and I think a lot of that has to do with the manager I and mean, when I was a manager if somebody wants giving 100% I say look you've come off you're making a fool of yourself get the shepherd's crook out who come off and put somebody else on at least he's going to give us 100% and you've got to say this to him it doesn't matter how much money they're on uh, You've got to be able to handle those kind of players who are not giving 100% and, and, and get them off because you'll say, you make a fool of yourself, come off and put somebody on who's prepared to try. And they don't seem to have that now at the top of the tree at Old Trafford like Fergie wouldn't have messed about. He got rid of Pogba when he was about 17 yeah. because he was strutting about the place with his silly haircuts and acting as though he was somebody bigger than the club. And Fergie wouldn't have it. And it's not a coincidence that he got rid of him. And since then, since he come back to United, I've just got a feeling that, I don't know who said it, don't know uh, Mourinho, 
that he's a virus in the dressing room. You yeah. know, he's a, he's a bad influence. And uh, we all know what it's like. You know, you get somebody coming in thinking they're bigger than everybody else. I know he is, actually. He's about six foot four, but that's another story. Well, Mason, Mason Greenwood... And his behaviour, which, of course, has gone quiet at the moment because it's going to go through the courts. Um, mm. There was another story in, in the newspapers that another premiership player has also assaulted a girl. I, I, they, they didn't give a name or anything, so I can't really say much more apart from there's another one. Uh, we've mm. got Mbappe. Oh, no, Mendy, isn't it, the other one, um, who's uh, obviously from City, um, which, yeah. which at the moment we're up to a count of six claiming in rape there I mean you know it's trial by media anyway and uh, so therefore we're not going to say much about this because basically nobody seems to be sure of the facts but I would imagine because it's going through the courts there's got to be something there because otherwise I don't think they'd waste money doing uh, what they're doing which is obviously prosecuting Um, but there is this tendency if you look at Manchester United you look at Ronaldo and he, he's totally and utterly exasperated and almost, um, you can see that he, he wants to run still. He wants to try and uh, um, pull his weight. Um, and I wanted to ask you, what did you think of the fact that his son has signed for Manchester United? Because that was a weird one. I thought with all what's going on, he might have hedged his bets there for a while. Yeah, maybe there's a lot of, the, well, there's quite a few cases of the sons playing for football clubs. Is a Lad at Man City, Rory Delapson, he's played for Man City at the moment. Uh, and he, he, he used to be involved with Stoke, and there was a story that he was, the young Delap was going to go to Stoke to, you know, on loan kind of thing and things like that. But once you've got a, a player who's already involved with the club, um, in particular case Ronaldo, you know, he, he trusts the club to look after his, his son. It's as simple as that, really, isn't it? And, uh, I mean, he. he I mean, there's a lot of people, many, many years ago, Burnley used to be the top team uh, for looking after young players uh, in the old days. And uh, people used to, when Tommy Doherty used to send, I think he sent his son to Burnley many years ago. And and things like that, where the clubs have got a good reputation. But nowadays, most clubs have these academies. From what I've been told, I mean, I am a bit biased, but the Man City Academy is unbelievable. You know what they've got there with a... And they're coming now from all over the world, aren't they? I mean, yeah. it's not just somebody's son who's just gone in there. But, you know, it's not like picking a kid off a, off a playing field like it used to be and taking him down and making him into a star player. Nowadays, it's, it's somebody in South America. City's just signed a player in South America. He's only a young lad. Um, I'd never heard of him, but, you know, this is how big the scouting network is nowadays. And... Uh, Players know where it's a good place to get put your lad. And he must be confident that Old Trafford is a good place. But from what I've seen, the way coming through at Old Trafford, it, it don't seem as good as a lot of people think it is. Yeah. It used to be the top club, obviously. Man United, if you got with Manchester United, it was like the creme de creme in the old days, wasn't it? You know, so nowadays, them days have fallen well behind and... Uh, they're behind all the other clubs because they never... Uh, well, I think it was mainly the Glaziers. They never really invested in sorting things out, you know, for the younger ones, in, in my yeah. opinion. And I can remember collecting autographs when I was a lad. I used to go down to the cliff down in Broughton there, and it was a kind of... Uh, people 
the training was a different ball game in them days. Used to just run down the pitch and then kick a ball about and everything. And uh, it was not like it is nowadays. These academies, they have all indoor places ready can train when it's raining. In the old days, you used to have to go out when it was raining out on the pitch and train. And it's, it's just completely changed. And if you've got a youngster now, if you can get him with a good club, I mean, you reckon over the years, like West Ham have been a good club, you know, bringing young guns through. Yeah. It's hard to, to say because we're not on that side of the fence. It's if you're part of the club and maybe Ronaldo, in, in his case, with his son, he's happy for him to let him go to United, but it's just a bit more publicity as well. Yeah, he doesn't look happy at the moment, Ronaldo, but of course, uh, who does when the team's not playing well? But to go back to my original question, is Rangnick, is he out of his depth there, do you think? Well, I think uh, from what everybody said about him before he came to United, uh, they all were saying that people like uh, Pep and uh, and your manager, that they was uh, like pupils of his, all used to listen to him a lot. Because he, in German, one of these German chap, and yeah. uh, you reckon that he was one of the ones who picked up the ideas from our working rate uh, for the players. But it doesn't seem to work for him at Old Trafford because he's not got the right players. And the main thing is when you're a manager, you're only as good as your players. Do you know what I mean? And if you can't motivate your players to do what you want them to do, then your ideas are not getting through on the pitch. And therefore, I think that's where there's a a blockage at United. Although they're not losing, they like drawing games. But as I've said many times before, drawing two games, you get two points. Win one, lose one, you get three points. So... Trials are no good to anybody. You're better off losing and winning the next one. Yeah. But uh, a lot depends on the players. Manager, players, managers with the top hierarchy. That's the way clubs are run. And I I just find that United have lost the way at the top, all the way down through the club. I just got the feeling. Funny enough, I was talking to my mate the other day, big United fan, season ticket holder. And I said, it seems to me all the Glazers want to do is come over fill the bag of money up and then go back to America and, and invest that money back over in what they've got going in America. Yeah. Not more than about Manchester United. Not like a supporter is how you love your own club. OK, let's just um, put a punctuation in. It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Okay, now then, Chelsea, of course, have been involved in the World Club Championship and uh, won the game, won the tournament, uh, and obviously will come back cock-a-hoop. But it doesn't really seem to stand for much in this country, or at least, should I, should I say, in the in the uh, British uh, way of looking at the game of football. Uh, when Liverpool won, they, they didn't really sort of go overboard with it, and it looks the same for Chelsea. Uh, how do you feel about that particular um, title, if you like? Well, I think over here, it's just another money-making exercise, isn't it? Where the, uh, that's why these four teams involved now. Originally, it used to be the top South American team against the top European team, and that was it. Two games, and that was done and dusted. Now they've involved, like, uh, Maccabi, you know, and it were four teams there, and half of them, well, in my opinion, half of them teams aren't even good enough to play in our championship, never mind a, <laughs> in a World Series game, you know. So I, I, I take it lightly. I, I, I know that if 
if it was Manchester City, you might say, oh, well, you're wrong, but I'm not wrong because I've never been a great lover of the Champions League either. So I just feel that people are exploiting football clubs, not only supporters when they go abroad, when you double the flights and the price of the flights to go and watch your team away. And uh, and it's just a fantastic rip-off. They, charge, they put the prices up for the tickets. It's terrible, you know, and I, I just feel that as if they don't get enough money off supporters. And I was listening to Ian Holloway the other week on the radio, and he was saying all this money in football should be ploughed back to the supporters. Then you travel the length and breadth of the country to watch the team play. You know, somebody like, say, I think Plymouth last weekend when they played in the FA Cup at Chelsea, you know, and, and, and things like that. They, they are the real supporters. And, and as we know, when there was no crowd at the games, it was... A, a, a blanket one it was terrible and without the supporters there's no football and why somebody doesn't at the top start saying let's start looking after the supporters instead of giving all this money to the players or whatever the situation is i just got that feeling that it'll never happen and this is things when like this world cup whatever you want to call it club cup thing or whatever it's just another way of explaining i don't know how many people who chelsea fans who went down to Dubai, I think it was played somewhere like Saudi Arabia. You know, it, how many went to support them, I don't know, but just another rip-off, and I'd promise you one thing, the price of tickets to get seem to get a flight to that place will have trebled, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, no, I do. I agree with you, actually. That's how I feel about it. And um, I did pick up, and I didn't dwell on this, um, but it's uh, the connection between England's World Cup Hotel and it's linked to a Qatar and jihadist group. Now, you know, we've spoken about the fact that the World Cup is going to be played in Qatar. Totally and utterly inappropriate. I think both on uh, the economic side of it, from all that everybody has to pay to go and travel to the country, to the fact that it's played at the wrong time of the year when it's so hot and so difficult for players. It's played at a time when, you know, players have been vaccinated when maybe um, there's still danger about. And if they go and play in the heat, then don't be too surprised if one or two have a problem. I mean, for me, the whole thing always is totally and utterly about a little group of booted and suited men who go and make plans for everybody else and they don't seem answerable to anybody. Um, am I being unfair? Does that, does that seem to be the same for you? Yeah, it's just a, it's just one of those things whereby money rules again. You know, they, they, they're prepared to build these stadiums so that they could have the World, the World Cup there in Qatar. And in the meantime, there's a lot of money being filtered away uh, through other various means. It's happened a lot. America had the same situation when they went and played in America. And yet England never had a World Cup since 1966. If somebody can explain that to me, when other countries have had two lots of World Cups, so like Germany, and we've only had one since, well, we've not had one since 1966. It just shows you. And when this year he was trying to get the uh, the situation changed so that people could come into England, you know, for that final or semi-final, I'm not quite sure which one it was, and they wanted to come in without inv- vaccination and all that, and uh, England wouldn't allow it. And uh, this must have been what's gone on in the past, where they want some out of the English people, but the FA won't give anything. 
because they know that it'd be out of order. And all these other countries who are so bent, they're just giving the money whatever these people are asking. And that's how they finish up getting these World Cups. Russia in particular, recently they've had a World Cup in Russia. I mean, who wants to go to Russia to watch a World Cup? And Qatar is just the opposite, isn't it? Who wants to go to Qatar? I mean, uh, and, and don't forget... Next year, the, the, the old season is disrupted because of the World Cup being played at that time, you know. Yeah. There's still be no Premier League for a month or something like that. And it, it just destroys everything that uh, every, some people have worked hard for, you know, getting the league going. And I think the Premier League is fantastic. I, 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 when there's no Premier League, and, and although I do think the championship is very good, uh, you know, so great teams in that, but the Premier League now, the way it's worked out, it's it's great to watch. You know, when you see teams like Norwich and all of them at the bottom, and, and teams like Brighton now are beginning to come through, through playing good football on good pitches, and it's great really to see. But in the meantime, all these money men are in the background, aren't they? Looking at ways to make other money, you know, and. That's a perfect example of world well, down Well, I mean, look, we've just had the African Cup of Nations. I've got to say, mm. I wasn't impressed with the standard until maybe the last couple of games. Uh, and even then, the, the actual final was littered with people just booting uh, lumps out of each other's legs for half the game. Mm. I mean, realistically, let that part of the world get on with what they do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, basically, it, it, all right, yeah, you can call it the World Cup um, if you let everybody come and join in the tournament, but have it in a sensible place. I mean, it's like um, anybody with half a brain knows that if you go to somewhere which is roasting hot... It pre- presents a stack of problems, and if you go to somewhere which is very, very cold, that presents other types of problems. And really, a little modicum of just common sense would have done, really, wouldn't it? Yeah, and you know, I was just thinking when you're talking, and as a whole endeavour at the World Cup, because that's another nice country whereby the weather is fairly reasonable, isn't it? You know what I mean, yeah. Holland. It's a, you know, there's certain places where you can say that would be a good place but I can't even remember Holland having a World no, Cup No, and Belgium I don't, like that, I don't think Belgium, Belgium has yeah. I remember I think a European thing was in Belgium once but that's going back a long time in fact Belgium I think got beaten a final but that's cool Euros that was it's hard to work it all out and you've got the Euros which is organised by UEFA and then you've got the other one which is FIFA organises the World Cup and they like both vying for one another to make the most money out of it and it it's terrible because really these are the things whereby what money you make on these World Cups, the money should filter through to grassroots football, but it never does, does it? No, no. Um, OK, just before we go to what happened on the pitch last week, uh, let's go to a little story about um, uh, Jack Grealish because basically he's got a problem. I think it's with his shin. And uh, I often look at the fact that he doesn't wear shin pads and likes running with Mm. his socks down. Now, you know, call me a bit silly if you like. Um, I always thought it was sensible to have a pair of shin pads because if you're going to get kicked, that would be the prime place that you're likely to be kicked. And uh, then again, I think you can tell by Jack Grealish and his general way of going about his life seems that he doesn't think about the obvious, you know. Um, What do you think? Well, I think in Jack Grealish's case, he's going to get kicked. I mean, he, he, when he was at Villa, he was the most foul player in the Premier League, so they say. But because he hangs onto the ball and it's always at his feet, like, you know, he, 
these people, it's easy to, to have a bite of it, but a lot of clubs make sure that you do wear pads. And they, they have all special kinds of pads now. They have like little pads which kind of fit just above your ankle and they don't do the full part of the shin. And there's so many different products now out what you can wear. I mean, in my day, you used to put like a, a down your socks, you'd have a, a, a kind of a, a book, a little book. No, when I say a book, I mean like a, a magazine. A magazine yeah. or something. You know what I mean? What you used to put down your, your side. And uh, and that was what we used to use. But nowadays, you've got so many things that it's kind of like cricket. You have all the kind of armory for the arms, the shoulders, the waist. Oh, it's incredible. But And all the, you know, the footballers nowadays, the, the best footballers will always be well turned out. If you notice that, and again at weekend, I don't know if you noticed it, but it is good to see uh, CV Jeddah again at Newcastle, looking as smart as ever on the line, yeah. and also he's obviously like Eddie Howe. You know they look really smart, just like the other week when it was Jeddah uh, and uh, Ferguson at Everton. You know I like to see me managers look smart and not look scruffy. You know, but yeah. you know, and, and he. he and I think this shows through the rest of the team. You know, somebody like Grealish, I'm surprised that uh, Pep's letting him get away with it. But I've got a feeling that might be stopped in a bit because he's got an injury at the moment. He's available tonight, but he's not available, if you know what I mean. He's not going to be picked. He sold him he's not going to get picked tonight for the Champions League game. So, uh, But these are things which, as a manager, you've got to make sure you look after your players because... They are a commodity of which you don't want to lose when you pay hundred million for him, like Absolutely. you say. You don't want to blink in somebody coming in and breaking his leg, do you? That's the last thing. I won't wish that on anybody who plays football, you know. But it can happen. Yeah. And and in training I I would think it more in training that you know, I, I would imagine they don't wear the shooting pads in training because they, they're probably not allowed to tackle hard, although in the good old days with Tommy Smith about and then lot they don't give two monkeys who they kick, would they? You know, should it be the old players or what? They, they still get, get stuck in. You used to always say that, didn't they? Yeah. Well, when they, I remember listening to Harry Redknapp talking about uh, Di Canio when he was at uh, West Ham. He said, oh, I'd always put him on the same side as Stuart Pearce because he, he used to get stuck in Stuart Pearce in training. You know, and uh, I used to make sure I put them two on the same side so there'd be no mind like that, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so you do get players who still get stuck in, like Stuart Pearce was one of them in particular. Yeah. But nowadays, I think they, they don't do that as much as they used to do. No. Okay, uh, right. Well, we'll go to, um, we'll start with the weekend's football because there's lots to discuss and obviously we've got to try and get us through as much as we can. Uh, Manchester United um, playing Southampton. I thought that it would be a little bit difficult for them. Um, Southampton looking good. Well worthy of the point, I thought. 1-1 for Manchester United, Southampton. What did you think of that game? Well, going back to what we mentioned before about teams now, playing on good pitches and Southampton. That manager has now developed a nice style of play, like the lad at Brighton. And they go out now and they're not feared of any club. You know what I mean? And I like watching Southampton because they do try and play football. And I thought the game itself, United, once again, they have the chances. If you don't take the chances, knock down for pal. You know what I mean? And Southampton equally deserved a draw in that game, in my opinion. I thought one all was a fair result. OK, Brentford, they've been in free fall of late. 
Uh, they were playing Crystal Palace and there was no score at all. Um, I think it was probably, uh, with it being a London derby, it was likely to be uh, a difficult game. Um, I think, uh, I thought Palace would shade it. You thought it would be a draw, so you got that one right. Um, what did you think of that game? Well, from all accounts, I think it was a dreadful game. There wasn't many shots on target in the game. Uh, from Brentford's point of view, they picked up a point because I think they'd lost five games on the trot. So they halted the uh, the fall like kind of thing. Whereas Crystal Palace and another team developing along the lines of Brighton and Southampton, whereby the manager is implementing his ideas and it's taken a little bit of time to come through, like it has done with Brighton and Southampton. And I think you'll see maybe next season Crystal Palace will become another team uh, along that same lines. But the game itself was, I thought, dreadful. So uh, yeah. there's not a lot to say about it. OK, another smart lad on the touchline at uh, Goodison Park were Frank Lampard's Everton. Um, they ended up putting three past Leeds United. And uh, quite honestly, I think uh, none of us saw that one coming. I thought it'd be a draw. You thought Leeds would win it. So, uh, good win for Everton there. Yeah, maybe, like you say, he'd be sorting his ideas out now with the players. It's only a few games he's had, uh, Frank. And uh, like you say, he's another lad who... I like to see the young players, particularly English players, who are coming through as managers. Because whether you like it or not, everybody keeps talking about getting. Oh, if somebody gets sacked and they oh, bring in a foreign manager, and now we've got English managers coming through, and I think it's brilliant, you know. And that's why I was glad Eddie Howe got the job at Newcastle, and now we've got Frank Lampard back in it. Stevie Gerrard to come back to England. It's great for English football, or the Premier League, to have English lads yeah. at the top. I mean, Sam Allardyce always just said it. If his name was Sam Allardyce, you know, with a different name, like a foreign name, he might have had a better chance of jobs. <laughs> but uh, that's what he always used to say, Sam. But uh, it's great to see the English lads coming back yeah. and looking smart, as, as you just said. Yeah. OK, uh, now Watford were at home to Brighton. So Roy knows he's got to, uh, Roy Hudson knows he's got to tighten up at the back. Uh, it's no wonder that they uh, lost to Brighton. Both you and I saw that one coming. And uh, it ended up Watford nil, Brighton two. And I think they were well worthy of the win, weren't they? Well, I think one of the most improved teams in the league, Brighton, aren't they? They go out, they play football, they don't worry about the other team anymore. They just go out, they don't complain defensive football. They just play football as it should be played. And from Roy Hodgkin's point of view, he's got a lot to do there. I mean, he's actually tightened up at the back. But now, for some silly reason, the, ring, the strength they've got is in the forwards. And if they, they can't score for Toffee. I mean... The bloke hit the crossbar from almost underneath it. And, uh, they, you know, they, you, now we, once you can tighten up at the back, you, you can get the goals at the other end, but they stop going in at the other end. Mm. So I don't know what he's going to do. It, it, it's too late now. You can't go out and buy anybody. That The time's gone. They're going to be in trouble, I think. So, but knowing Roy Hodgson, and I, I always listen to people who's played for these managers, to what they have to say about them. And uh, I think it was Danny... The lad used to play for him, Danny, Danny Murphy. Full of, yeah, yeah. He, he, he said that it takes a bit of time for it to sink in with the players, Roy Hodgson's tactics. You know, I and mean, maybe that's what's uh, holding up at the moment. They've only had three games while he's been there. But he, he said once, he, once it clicks with the players and they all understand what they've got to do, 
they might change everything around. Getting goals is a big problem for them at the moment. But anyway, I think they'll do okay. I think they might get out of it. I might be wrong there, but mm. I, I have a lot of belief in Roy Hodgson because although he, uh, he seems a bit pragmatic and he kind of more defensive mode, well, he, he knows how to get out of trouble. So I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. OK, uh, Norwich hosted your boys Manchester City. We both saw Manchester City uh, imperious. They look brilliant again. Uh, obviously, Sterling um, still improving after his days at Liverpool. Nice hat-trick for him there. Um, I, I don't think there was ever much doubt that they would go and uh, win at Norwich. At least Norwich give you the game of football, don't they? Well, like you say, they had a, a couple of chances early on, Norwich, and they just one of them things that... I was saying to my mate the other day, but when I'm watching City now, it's not as much as it's when they're going to score. You know what I mean? You don't know who's going to score it. But somebody somewhere along the way will come up and bob in with a goal. And it's not like relying on one player or one man, although he did get a hat-trick Sterling. But Sterling has turned his season around because after the World Cup, and he had a good World Cup for England, he never really looked settled at City afterwards. And everybody was on about he might be moving on and... He, he was out of the side, left out of the team. People saying, oh, Barcelona's after him. And what he's done is get his head down and get back in that team. And from his point of view, he's been great, in my opinion. The way he's had the right attitude. He's not started moaning and words coming out saying, oh, he's going to go to Barcelona. But at the end of the day, he's turned everything around and now he's back to his normal self. Yeah, I think a lot of it... We know he's quick, don't we? He's bloody rapid, isn't he? Oh, he's very good. Um, I was just going to say, really, I think you can see once the players get away from the politics and play the football, um, then obviously they'll get back to where they should be. And, and um, uh, Sterling's gone quiet on the uh, the Western Front as far as the politics has gone. Rashford, yeah. um, he, he's probably in a similar situation as we go to um, Burnley, where we both knew it would be a struggle. Well, I mean, to be honest with you, it was like watching paint dry. Burnley weren't going to play football, but they could have had about five in the first half. They could have been could have gone in about five nil up. Um, I, I thought really up and under. I mean, it was just really like playing rugby league with football rules. Um, what did you think of that game? Well, the weather was bad for starters, wasn't it? That didn't help it. You know, terrible. I mean, uh, we all know what it's like playing at Burnley at the best of times. At least it was in an afternoon, but uh, yeah. It, they had the chances, but at the moment they can't buy a goal. Somehow, the reason he he's had nil nils at home, and uh, you know just and they've got a new lad there up front. He's he's about six foot three or six foot four. Oh, he's about six, and he six foot. He'll be good. Yeah, he's about uh, six foot nine or something. I don't know. He's a big lad. That's Whoa, for sure. Huge. And, uh, like you say, it, it was a good result for Liverpool at the end of the day. I, I kept clocking back to find out how they were going on on the score because it wasn't on the tally of the game and there was another game on the tally at the time but I just kept going back to clock the score and for some reason Fabinho started scoring goals now haven't he? Yeah. I think he scored five in the last six games Yes. So, uh, which is a bit of a turn up you don't expect him to score goals but he's doing a good job for them we want him scrappy things in the penalty area and he just stepped in and put the ball away and it was as simple as that and then after that, Liverpool were just hanging on, really. Yeah. It was just one of them games where 
you, you're glad to get it out of the way and get on the coach and get back down here, yeah. thanks, you know, and, and say right. that'll be worth a no, good three points. No time for any drinks in Burnley, that's for sure. Uh, great no. to see Newcastle uh, 1-0. I didn't think they'd beat Villa. Uh, you mm. thought a draw. I thought Villa would win it. Newcastle won, Villa nil. Good win for Eddie Howe. Yeah, it was... Uh, well, I watched this game. Aston Villa were very disappointing, really, because... Uh, just recently, they've been playing some good football. I mean, they had the three-all draw with Leeds, and uh, they have been playing good football. But they, uh, for some reason, last Saturday, the first half, Newcastle definitely deserved to go in 1-0 up. Uh, it was a, a trippier free kick again. And uh, they've lost him now because he's injured. Yeah. He's out for six weeks. So it's going to be a, a problem because he's kind of a little bit of a leader as well on the park which is what Newcastle have been missing. And I, I just got the feeling that uh, this week's going to be important for Raston Villa because uh, we don't want them to lose again because at the end of the day, uh, we want Gerard to be successful because he's English manager, in my opinion, and yeah. I just thought that they'd, they'd turn the corner. But they didn't play well at, at Newcastle and it was the best result for Newcastle. They deserved it. OK, Spurs were hosting Wolves. Um, both of us got that one wrong as well and um, I think Wolves were well worthy of the win there I don't um, there's something not quite right with Spurs yet isn't there yeah well I don't think he's uh, it, it, it doesn't seem as though he's got the players to implement his ideas on the park what he wants and uh, you can see that frustration in the manager when they lost 3-2 during the week to Southampton after being in front and now I mean, Wolves are a rapidly improving team. You know, try and remember to give Wolves a lot of credit because even when they early on in the season when they were losing and not near the top, they were only losing games one on to uh, like Liverpool and, and, and Man City, all very tight games. And they've got a good, strong, solid defence now, uh, Wolves, and just have to keep an eye on them because they, they're just outside the top six, really, you could say. But I wouldn't be surprised if they don't break into it. OK, Leicester, uh, they hosted West Ham and again, we both thought West Ham would win that one, but it uh, was a 2-2 draw, probably quite a good game to watch. What did you think? Well, I thought that uh, in the first half, Leicester were terrible, really. and I thought West Ham would win it comfortably, when it, particularly when he took an early lead, but he just managed to get a penalty just before half-time, which just gave that song and dance like to him, so... Uh, they made it one all and then they scored straight after our time. And once they got in front, they shown a lot of confidence, Leicester. And I thought that they did well to pull, pull, pull it back in the last few minutes of West Ham because of their attitude. And uh, they're, a, they're a tough side to play against now, West Ham. But as far as I'm concerned, I've just got the feeling that uh, this trouble with uh, Zuma is not going to help them. You know, apparently he took ill before the game. <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's a coincidence that he didn't play in it. You know what I mean? Yeah. As I've said before, if the sponsors start to pull out of West Ham and they start picking him again, I mean, he just tried to take him out of the line last week. I don't know how or why or what was up with him. Because mm -hmm. there used to be a story in football. If he wanted to get somebody out of the team and out of the line, like, he's got a stomach bug, that's what they used to say, which yes. is uh, just yeah. an excuse for him not playing. So 
We'll have to wait and see what wow, happens, I mean, see how that they, comes out. They missed the obvious one. Why didn't they just say that he'd got COVID and ended there, you know? Yeah. Okay, we've, we've got 10 minutes, which means we've got to, we've got to crack on with the uh, Saturday the 19th uh, predictions. West Ham playing Newcastle, and um, how do you see that one? Well, sounds like a good game to me, this one. I think uh, West Ham, uh, I'm, I'm going to go for a draw. I'm going for a one-all draw. <laughs> I've put exactly the same. One-one. We're on the same page. Uh-oh. Well done, lad. Okay, Arsenal at home to Brentford. How do you see that one? It's got to be an Arsenal win. This they're in a good position now to take that fourth spot. With all, with all the teams slipping up last weekend, uh, they're in a good position now to uh, take over. I think if they win the games, in Andy goes fourth anyway. Yeah, Arsenal to win two now. Uh, I've put 2-0 as well. Isn't that weird? OK, so we've got two exactly the same. Our Maston Villa take on Watford. Hmm, got to be a win for Villa, aren't they? That's why I said they, they need to win that surgeon now because uh, they've, they've just been slipping up. And we're all looking forward to Villa pushing on a bit, but... Uh, careful for the nil-nil of it, because uh, they all look artful, dodgy, you know... Uh, He's a tricky old fox, you know, so I want to say it could be a nil-nil, but I do fancy Villa to win it. OK, I've gone Aston Villa 2, Watford 1. Um, good good game coming up at Brighton. Burnley coming down from the frozen wastes. How do you see that one? Well, it's, a, it's, a, it's another tough game, isn't it? Like you say, I think you go for the draw. OK, and uh, score draw? 1-1. Uh, OK, I've gone for Brighton 2, Burnley 0. Um, Palace, Chelsea. Chelsea back as world club champions. What do you think of that one? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I'd like to say, I think it's a, it, it really got... After all that travelling, you know, it might just have affected Chelsea. And I've just got the feeling that Crystal Palace will be up for this. As we've mentioned before, about these derby games on the London area. Yeah. And I... I just got this could be a draw, one all draw. Okay, I've gone for Chelsea winning one nil. Uh, Liverpool Norwich. Well, it's got it can only be one result there. It's got to be a four on for Liverpool, in my opinion. I can't see how Norwich can get a result at Anfield. Okay, well, I've gone two nil. Uh, I I know that they have got to win, which gives it a little bit of pressure. Um, but at least Norwich normally give you a game of football. Uh, Southampton at home to Everton. Yeah, good game this one, isn't it? I mean, he didn't play well away from home the other week Everton at Newcastle. So uh, I'm going to go for a, another one-all draw. I feel terrible there. Keeps it on the fence of draws, but I think that'll be a draw one apiece. Well, don't forget to predict a draw, you win the pools. I've gone 2-2, so um, we're on the oh, same right. page. Um, <laughs> yeah. Now your boys, Man City, take on Spurs. Can't see. I really can't see Man City losing this one. The only thing I can say is that put your money on that Son will score a goal. Every time he plays against Man City, he always scores. I'm not saying City will get beat, but get your money on Son to score a goal. And I just got the feeling City will win three-one. Ah, three-one is what I predicted. <laughs> we, 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 we're being very clairvoyant here today. Anyway, uh, Leeds, Man, Man United. Well, this is one of them like uh, games where the Leeds fans, the eight United, they really do, and uh, they'll be right up for it being on their own ground. I want to go for Leeds to win one 0 and I've gone Leeds to win two one. 
Um, mm. Okay, and the last of the games is sort of a Midlands derby, Wolves playing Leicester. And uh, how do you see that one ending? I think Wolves will win this game. About I think Leicester, deep, they blow hot and cold. You can never be sure what you're going to get from Leicester. I'm going to go for a 2 non win for Wolves. Okay, and I've put a 2-1 win. So, mm. uh, very, very similar thinking. The trouble is, you know, when you look at the... Um, when you look at the results later, and some weeks you get them all wrong, you can over <laughs> you can overthink. But I think um, you know, obviously, to see that we're thinking the same, at least uh, we're seeing the same things. Now we get the Champions League this week, um, mm. and of course we get to the interesting. And the uh, papers were talking today about Man City and Pep Guardiola only being judged by if he wins the Champions League, which I think is nonsense. But then again, yeah. um, you know, unfortunately, the papers write nonsense and people read it and then they all talk nonsense. Um, Guardiola's been a fabulous manager. Uh, it would be nice for him to win this one because they're saying that Man City should sail through the next round. How do you see it? You never know because when you're playing in Europe, for some reason... that. More often than not, the teams or the league that they play in, when not I'm talking about Premier League now, talking about like the Portuguese league, usually they leave the players out on the Saturday and they've got a full team ready for the European games. Real Madrid were notorious for doing that, and Barcelona, having a weekend team on the weekend. Whereas in the Premier League, you can't afford to do that. Uh, but as far as I'm concerned, I've I just got a feeling it's going to be a tough game tonight. And if we come back with a a one nonner or a a one one you know, I'll be quite happy because playing away in Europe is never the easiest of games. And funny, uh, all my mates are on the way there now. They got the flight down to Portugal this morning, and they'll be at the game tonight. And uh, good luck to them. I hope they enjoy a good a good weekend. Well, not a weekend, a good day, a couple of days out down in Portugal. Yeah. Well, now, of course, obviously, you've got uh, Jack Grealish, who, uh, as you say, it won't be featuring in the game. Um, how do you think he's actually settled into the team now? Do you really feel he's a Manchester City player or is he, or is he still an individual? No, he's still a, a, an individual. He's a bit like uh, Real Mahrez. First year with Man City, he couldn't get in the team. He was on the bench a lot and he was playing and he was off. And it's very difficult. You need to have a good run at playing in a team and be able to keep your place and Rio Mahrez was I, I, well I've read Vincent Company's book and he used to be sat next to him on the bench every week and Mahrez was moaning all the time but it was to Vincent Company I can't get a game he won't give me and all Vincent Company said just be patient just wait your time and make sure that you're ready when your time comes and as you know this year Ryan Mahrez has got a great had a great season for City and I think next year you'll find out that really she'll become good. At the moment, I just see if we're marking him out of 10, I give him seven, if that. Yeah. Um, now, my team are struggling to get the uh, the mix right, although you know the, uh, maybe it's not fair to say that when you look at uh, the Burnley game, because I, I think for anybody to actually stand and watch something like that is they should get medals for going to watch Burnley. You know, it's just terrible, yeah. the weather, and the whole thing must be awful. Um, now, uh, I don't know if you've seen our new guy, D Diaz, um, yeah, Colombian. I saw him during the week. The game during the week, he looked all right, didn't he? And 
I know you might be copying City, but picking the same player with the same name as Diaz, I mean, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I mean, flat, no. um, copying is the best form of flattery. And, you, you know, I think anybody, <laughs> yeah. anybody would want to play like Manchester City play. And I think uh, we, we're getting there. We, we've got... We've got a fluency of sorts, but we've had such a mix of players because of injuries and things and COVID and all the other stuff. Um, whereas I think with with City, I mean, it's basically you can just pick and mix and people come into the side and they just fit in and they look so good. I mean, if there's going to be a strong candidate for European champion glory, I do think that you deserve it just by your performances. You know, I watch the games. I want Liverpool to win. Of course I do. Um, but, you know, you've got to be realist if you're going to enjoy the game. Look at who's playing well. You've mentioned before Wolves are playing well. But yeah. City are a delight to watch. They're just a, a nice team to watch, aren't they? Well, many people say they're easy on the eye, you know what I mean? I'd love to know how they go about training City because whoever comes in, it, it doesn't change. You know, if, at the weekend, the back four, there were three of the back four changed from during the week when they played Brent, Brentford. Do you know what I mean? But it didn't make any difference. You know, Walker was left out. Well, not, not weekend, he was left out during the week. Stones comes in. It's unbelievable the way they all just slot in. You know, and uh, I'd love to know how they train. I'd like to see them at training. Because whoever's playing, Zinchenko comes in at left-back and he's, he's an unsung hero for City, Zinchenko. And he never moans. You know, it's very rarely any players moan. I know they're all probably on top money for, for the club. But you very anybody moaning about anything or not signing contracts, although Sterling's contract is due up any time now and he might be finishing up like uh, Salah. But Salah just wants the world, doesn't he? You know, he yeah. wants everybody, everybody to bow down to him and give him the, whatever he wants. And, but we'll mm. have to wait and see if Liverpool cave into him, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a problem. But your main thing is you just got to keep, as a manager, keep the harmony. And that, I mean, it doesn't matter who you are, because Pep drops them all. They've all been dropped at some time or other. Even the, our best player, Kevin De Bruyne, didn't play at weekend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He wasn't even on the lineup yeah. in the eleven. You know, things like that, whereby it's not just one player who's it. They all getting the, the same treatment, whereby they're all having a rest and gives them a break. And I, I think you'll find City's midfield tonight will be back to normal, which will be Kevin De Bruyne and Rodri and Bernardo Silva. I think that's a knocking bet. Where there's a weekend, Gundogan played there, Fernandino played there, you know what I mean? And, and, yeah. and the other lad, David Silva, played there. But, you know, you just change it around and they all know the jobs. And, that, and, and the most important thing is you all got to work the socks off. OK, Eric, well, we leave it there. That's uh, another right. great week of football to talk about and look forward to chatting next week. OK, OK. Well done, mate. Cheers, Vince. Talking football with the Silver Fox, Eric Marbles.